We welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. I'd like for you to take God's Word and go with me to the book of Acts in the 6th chapter, Acts chapter number 6. And uh, we have been engaged in a study from God's Word, just taking a survey trip really through the book of Acts, examining the priorities of the church. And uh, we introduced this series in Acts chapter 6, we return back there. Uh, this morning. It is important for us as a church to understand and know what the priorities of the church are. And those priorities are established by its founder, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus loves the church. He gave himself for it. He established the church. He orders the church, meaning he established the order in it, and he commissioned the church and he's coming to receive his church. And I'm grateful to be a part of his church, aren't you? I'm thankful to be a part of the family of God and a, a local body of assembly, uh, assembly of believers that are a group of believers, a body of believers that uh, are serving the Lord and, and walking through life together. And just as it happens in our lives and in our families, if we're not careful, we get overtaken by needs that are urgent and immediate and, and uh, really by our own ideas. And if we're not careful, we'll forget the priorities of our lives and the priorities of the church. And so I think it's very helpful for us to reexamine these priorities so that we understand as a church is so that we can walk in agreement as a church concerning keeping the main thing the main thing at Tabernacle Baptist Church. And as we have embarked upon this study, uh, we have noted some of those priorities. We noticed, first of all, the priority of our witness and under the theme of the witnessing church. Uh, that really was the first thing that we encountered in the book of Acts was the Great Commission and, of course, then their witness on the day of Pentecost. And so we've looked at the witnessing church. And then we came to a second priority, which is the priority of prayer. And uh, we read of that here in this passage in Acts chapter 6. And we note that uh, the first meeting of the church was a prayer meeting in Acts chapter 1 when the disciples gathered in the upper room and they prayed and asked God for direction. And so we looked at that subject or that priority under the heading, the praying church. And so when we think about what type of church we want to be, what type of church we ought to be, well, we ought to be a witnessing church and we ought to be a praying church. And then we come to our third uh, priority, which we began looking at last week and we hope to finish looking at this week. And that is the priority of preaching and the preaching church is our heading, the preaching church. 
So I want us to revisit this text in Acts chapter number 6. I've given you three thoughts on the preaching church. We'll review those briefly and then move to three more before we're done. Well, let's begin reading in verse number 1. And in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. We notice the statement of the apostles in verse number four when faced with a dilemma, a potential of division in the church with the murmuring of the, uh, the Grecians against the Hebrews because the widows were neglected. There was a great temptation that the apostles faced that they would leave the word of God and serve tables. And in the midst of that dilemma, they remembered and stated clearly the priorities of the church it's not that the needs of the widows were not important they were and those needs were addressed but those needs did not take precedence over the priority and so the apostles said in verse 4 we will give ourselves continually to prayer that's the praying church and to the ministry of the word that's the preaching church and then they choose seven men, and those men were uh, ordained to oversee the business and to take care of the needs. And in verse number seven, as a result of that wise decision to keep the main thing the main thing, the ministry increased. This chapter begins with a potential problem that could have caused the ministry to be diminished, but when handled properly and priorities are kept, then we see what happens. The ministry increases. The number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. Souls were saved. The church was strengthened. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And then the Bible speaks to us about one of the deacons that were chosen, a man named Stephen. And what do we know about him? He was a man full of faith and power. You see, the commitment to the preaching of the Word of God infused Stephen with faith and power. 
faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So here's a man who benefited greatly from the, um, from the ministry of the apostles and he was increased and full of faith and power and God began to use Stephen to preach the gospel. And in verse number 10, when he was uh, confronted by those who were disputing his message, the Bible says they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. You see, preaching is the thing that we need in this hour. It is the thing that God has ordained. It is the method that God has chosen to communicate his message. The Bible says that God hath chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them which are lost. And so the apostles spoke to the church in very clear terms and said, we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. We need to be a witnessing church we need to be a praying church and we need to be a preaching church well as we look throughout the book of acts we're going to notice some things about the ministry of preaching and its work what the work of preaching does what it accomplishes and we noted three things last week first of all we noted the confronting work of preaching the confronting work in acts chapter number three we we see that Peter uh, confronted the men of Jerusalem. He confronted them with uh, their sin against God, with their rejection of the Messiah, with, with uh, the crime that they committed in, in crucifying him on the cross of Calvary. And they were confronted then with their sin. You know, the word of God confronts us. It confronts us with the message that we are sinners. You see, in order for us to receive the good news, we have to receive the, good, uh, the bad news. You see, the bad news puts the good news in context. Many today don't receive the good news because they don't understand the bad news. And the bad news is that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The bad news is uh, that all who have sinned and come short of the glory of God will have to suffer the wages of sin. For the wages of sin is death. You see, because of our sinfulness, man is separated from God on his way, condemned already to an eternity in hell. And so Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he in love, came and became a man. He went to the cross. He lived a righteous life, but he went to the cross and took our sin upon himself. He died to make the payment of our sin. That's the good news. But we have to be confronted with the bad news. And what preaching does is it confronts us. It confronts us with our lost condition. And as believers who know the Lord, we often need to be confronted again and again by our disobedience, by our, our indifference and our apathy and our attitudes which are contrary to God. So preaching does a great work in our lives, a confronting work. And then it does a convincing work, a convincing work. We find here in Acts chapter number six that Stephen is preaching and those disputers who, who wanted to argue with Stephen, uh, when they heard him preach in the power of the Holy Spirit, when they heard him take the scripture, the word of God, and communicate it clearly, they had no ability to resist his message. You see, the preaching of the word of God convinces men that they are sinners 
that they have sinned against God and that God loves them and God is just and God is righteous and His Word is true. Preaching is needed to confront us, to convince us. And then lastly, last week we noted this, we saw the convicting work of preaching. The convicting work. Once we've been convinced, then the Spirit of God working in us shows us that we are guilty, that we have sinned against God. If you'll look with me in Acts chapter number 2, we'll notice when, Paul, when Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, he had already confronted the men of Jerusalem with their sinfulness and their rejection of the Messiah. He had showed them from the Scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. He had told them clearly that they were responsible for His blood. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? You see, the, 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 conf, the confrontational message of Peter began to convince them of the truth of God's word. And then they saw themselves as sinners. And they saw Christ for who he was. And the Spirit of God and the Word of God brought a conviction upon their soul that is described for us as the pricking of their heart. The Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword, pricked their heart they were convicted and so they asked the question men and brethren what shall we do and so we pick up here this morning and i want to give you a fourth work of preaching and that is the converting work of preaching the converting work of preaching you see not only did the word of god convince them and convict them but through the ministry of the word of god through the preaching of god's word as they responded in obedience they were converted in other words they were saved they experienced the mercy of god and the forgiveness of god upon their sin notice if you would please in acts chapter number two uh, and we'll continue reading in in the text uh, they said to Peter in verse 37, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent. The word repent means to agree with God. It means to turn, to turn away from my sin in recognizing that I'm a sinner after I've been convicted by the Holy Spirit and the, convinced of the ministry of the word. And that conviction will lead me to confession and I will acknowledge that I'm a sinner, that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Savior. And I will call upon him. They said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In verse 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. In other words, the people, those 3,000 souls that received the word of God gladly, they were converted on that day. They believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God came to dwell 
within them. Their lives were changed. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Nicodemus said to Jesus, you're a teacher. Tell us what's going on. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. That's what takes place here. They're converted. As Paul said, we were once strangers and aliens from God. We had no relationship with God, separated uh, from God by our sin. But Jesus Christ came and took, his, uh, took our sin upon him and died on the cross, suffering our judgment, suffering our condemnation, suffering our, uh, our hell, if you will. He suffered all that for us. And if we will call upon him, if we will confess that we're sinners, if we will turn to Jesus away from our sin, he will save us. And those who were strangers and aliens from the life of God are now made a part of the household of God. But as many, the Bible says in John 1 verse 12, as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. They're converted. That's why the word of God needs to be preached. Because there are lost people, lost men and women who do not know God and they're on their way to a Christless eternity. And the only hope they have is to hear the message of God's word. They need the preaching of God's word and they need to respond to the message of salvation and be converted. Paul said in Romans 1 verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it the message of the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is the message that will save. And therefore, because of that, in verse 15, Paul had already stated this, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel. That's the method God has chosen. The preaching of the good news of Jesus Christ. And once that message is preached, God's power is unleashed on a lost and dying world and sinners separated from God. Uh, they are, are, are confronted with God's truth and the Holy Spirit reveals that to them and they turn to Christ in faith and are saved. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. He said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. It is the word of God that brings us from death into life. It is the Word of God, the preached Word of God, that brings us as we respond to it in faith and in obedience. It is the preached Word of God that brings us into life. James said in James 1.18, Of his own will beget he us. In other words, he brought us into spiritual life with the Word of truth. I want us to go back to Romans chapter 10 just for a moment. Would you turn there with me? Romans chapter 10 and verse number 13. And how does someone become a child of God? How do they receive Jesus by faith? Well, in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 13, uh, the word of God tells us, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, if I will call on Jesus, if I will call on him, to save me, if I will confess to him that I am a sinner. Look in Romans 10 and verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. When I confess with my mouth, what am I saying? I'm saying, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. 
I believe that you love me. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you were buried and that you rose again. I believe you are the Savior. If I confess him with my mouth and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With my very being, if I believe in the Lord and I confess him with my lips, the Bible said I will call upon him in verse 13, and when I call upon him, I will be saved. I don't have to hope to be saved. I don't have to guess if I'm saved. I can know I'm saved if I put my faith in Jesus and I call on him. Well, there are people all over this world that haven't done that. There are some who are yet to hear. There are those who need to hear again. And may God help us to be faithful to proclaim this message. This is why we exist. This is what our church is here to do. To preach the message of Christ to our community and to our world. But notice what Paul says here in verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? In other words, you can't expect someone to call on Jesus if they don't believe on Jesus. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? In other words, if they, can't, they can't call if they don't believe, and they can't believe if they haven't heard. Well, that's where the preacher comes in. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Verse 15, and how should they preach except they be sent? I want you to know that we have been sent. That's what this church exists to do. And as I said earlier, I said last week, all of us have a pulpit. You have a pulpit at a desk or on a factory floor or in a shop or in your neighborhood. We all have a pulpit. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, of the, night, or, uh, the late 19th century, uh, who, whose ministry uh, just had tremendous impact in London and throughout the United Kingdom and really upon our world. He's the most published preacher our world has ever seen. And during the, 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 the height of the ministry of the Metropolitan Tabernacle under the leadership of Charles Spurgeon, it wasn't that everybody in London just clamored to get into the building to hear him preach although many did. But what caused his ministry to be so effective and so fruitful was that the people in the church understood that the message they were hearing needed to be repeated. And they went out to their homes and to their shops and to the streets of London and they explained to people what they were hearing. They were taking published sermons recorded in little pamphlets and booklets and they were giving that out to people and they were inviting people to hear the gospel and people to attend the services and many were saved. You see, that's what a preaching church does. I can only preach to so many, but you can preach to so many more. And so may God help us to do this converting work. That's why it's a priority. Well, then I want you to see another priority, the fifth in the list, and that is this. I want you to see the continuing work of preaching. Look, if you would, please, in the same chapter of Acts, Acts chapter 2, and we'll look at verse 42, Acts chapter 2, and uh, verse number 42, and we understand that those who gladly received his word 
were baptized and added unto the church. By the way, church membership is God's idea. It's not man's. And the condition of church membership is given to us here in verse 41. They gladly received his word, meaning they were saved. And they were baptized. And if you meet those two conditions, then friends, you ought to be a part of a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. And so we come to Acts 2 and verse 42, and we notice what happened to this new group of converts. Converted through the work of preaching. And look, if you would, in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. You see, they were saved through the message of preaching, and they continued to gather to hear the preaching of God's word, the apostles' doctrine. The apostles were teaching them the word of God, and we need a steady diet of the preaching and teaching of God's word. It is the thing that will build your life. It is the thing that will build a church, the preaching and teaching of God's word. Uh, notice, if you would please, in verse number 46, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I want you to know the preaching ministry of the church of Jerusalem was not confined to Sunday. It was daily. And the preachers weren't simply the apostles. The preachers were the congregation. In every house, they cease not to preach and teach Jesus, Acts 5 and verse 42. So we see the continuing work of preaching. I want to tell you that you and I need to be under the preaching of the Word of God. You and I need to be confronted with the truth of God. We need to be converted by the truth of God, and we need to continue in the truth of God. And here's something that we know. We know that preaching will always grieve the enemies of God. Look in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 1. Here Peter and John have gone up to the temple, the hour of prayer. They've healed uh, as, as the lame man has put his faith in Jesus. He's been healed and restored. He's walking and leaping and praising God. The people are gathering. They're saying, what in the world's happened? Peter said, don't look at us. We didn't do it. Jesus did. The one you crucified. And so they're confronted. They're convicted. And as they're preaching in Acts chapter 4 and verse 1, as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. I want you to know, this world does not like the message we preach. And the hostility of this world uh, is, is, is increasing every moment and every day. Notice what happens in verse 3. They laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now even die. Well, they arrested them. Eventually, they beat them. And they charged them and tell them, don't preach the message of Jesus anymore. Don't preach it. And I want you to know that the more we preach it, the more Satan will resist it. But, you know, uh, I, honestly, I believe that if, if we were summoned and told to stop preaching the word of God, there would be a sort of a, 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 an uprising among us, a, a, a renewal and a, of this commitment of preaching. And we would think, well, we're not going to let anybody tell us that we can't preach. And we're not going to let anybody stop us from preaching because we know that's what we're charged to do. How many of you agree with that? Would you say amen? 
I really believe that would be the response of our church. But you see, this, the devil is a major tactician. And he knows that too. And by the way, let me say this. I believe persecution is coming. I don't know in every form, but I believe we're going to face more opposition, more opposition from our government leaders. I want you to know the, the world is not happy to see this ministry growing and children filling these buildings or the buildings of any Christian school. They're not happy about it. They don't like our message and they want to silence us. I do believe that we'll face more and more forms of persecution, but I don't think that's our problem right now. I think our biggest problem is apathy and indifference. Because as long as we're comfortable, we can be lulled to sleep and not recognize the priority that preaching holds in our own lives. You see, we need the ministry of preaching. We need to be confronted by God's truth. We need to be convinced by God's truth. We need to be convicted by God's truth. And we need to be converted by God's truth. And we need exposure to it day in and day out. And may God help us to renew our commitment because the devil is always grieved when the word of God is preached. But here's the amazing thing. Though the attacks came and the enemy was grieved, the church continued. And as they continued, the church grew. Acts chapter number 8, Saul is uh, intensifying the persecution against the church. In Acts chapter 8, verse 3, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women. He committed them to prison. It was an awful persecution against the church in Jerusalem. Therefore, verse 4, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word of God. People had to leave Jerusalem. They had to leave their homes. They had to leave their jobs. They had to leave their family. And they were dispersed throughout all the region. But they didn't stop preaching. I'm glad. Because eventually the message got to me. 2,000 years later. Just outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm glad they went everywhere preaching the Word of God. And I want to say that preaching grows the church. And so we see this morning the converting work of preaching. And we see the continuing work of preaching. We must not stop. Though the enemy is grieved, though troubles and trials will come, we must continue. And even in our prosperity and in our comfort, our apathy and indifference, we must continue to keep preaching a priority. Well, let me give you the last one. And that is the conforming work of preaching. The conforming work. You see, the Bible tells me that God has a purpose and plan for my life in Romans chapter 8. And verse number 28 and 29. And that purpose involves me being conformed to his image. That word image, we, we have images all the time. I mean, we have our phone. We have a lot of images on our phone. We take pictures. Those are images. Jesus wants us to be conformed to his image. In other words, he wants us to look like him. 
Well, what do you mean by that? I mean, he wants his nature formed in us. Through the work of the word and the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus wants to work in us to change us and conform us to his image so that we behave like him, so that we think like him, so that we do what he wants us to do, so that we're less and less like who we are and more and more like who he is. And if that work is going to be accomplished in your life and mine, there's only one way for it to be done. You and I must be exposed to the Word of God, and in particular, to the preaching of God's Word. That's what happened in the uh, church of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2 and verse 44. The Bible says, And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Now that went against the grain. I want to tell you that. That, that was something that no reasonable Jew would have ever considered doing but now God has made them uh, a part of his family. He's called them and they are together and they have all things common. They have one Savior and one purpose and the Lord Jesus Christ has changed their lives. He has working to conform them to the image of himself. Well, how does that happen? It happens through preaching. Would you look with me into the book of Colossians chapter number 1 and verse number 28? Colossians chapter number 1 and verse number 28. And Paul is speaking here concerning the, the message that he proclaimed, the, the message of his preaching. And we really have one message, and that message is Jesus Christ. I want you to know that this Bible from Genesis to Revelation is all about Jesus. And when we preach the Bible, we're preaching Jesus. And we know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. He is the one who authored it. And we know it's profitable. It's good for us. And so Paul said in Colossians 1 and verse 28, speaking of the Lord Jesus, he said, whom we preach. We preach Christ. And then notice what that preaching involves. Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Three times we see this phrase, every man. You know who the preaching's for? Every man. It's for you. God has designed this method for your good and for your benefit. And there are three particular works that are being done. First of all, he says, warning every man. Warning every man. And notice the terms he uses, in, uh, that Paul used, rather, in, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. He said in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove and rebuke. Do you know that when the word of God is preached, that preaching, that message ought to reprove us? In other words, we should be confronted with our own sin. And that word reprove has the idea of being shamed. Being shamed. Now, that, the world doesn't like that thought at all, does it? It's not that we would mock and ridicule and openly shame people for their sin. But the Word of God works within us and works within our conscience to bring us to an awareness 
that our sin has offended a holy God and we are ashamed of our sin. Adam and Eve suffered that shame in the garden. Their eyes were open. They knew that they were naked and they ran from God because of the shame. So the ministry of preaching warns us, it reproves us, and it rebukes us. It tells us in specific where we are wrong, and we need that warning. We need that warning because we're all going to stand before God. All of us will stand before God and give an account. Judgment is coming. So he says, warning every man. And then he said, teaching every man to teach. The ministry of teaching, as Paul said in 2 Timothy 4.2, he said, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Exhort means to encourage, to build up, to edify. And you and I need that encouragement. You see what happened a lot. He was a righteous man, the Bible says. But through the filthy conversation of the wicked, he vexed his righteous soul. You see, we live in a dirty world. We live in a sin-cursed world. We, we work in places that are really difficult to work in. We work around people who are really difficult to work around. We deal with difficulties and hardships. There are moments of great discouragement. There are moments when we wonder if we're going to make it. And we need the ministry of God's Word to teach us and to instruct us in how that we must live and please God. So he said, warning every man. There's a warning for us to hear. We hear it through the preaching of God's word. Teaching every man. There's instruction that we need. Edification, exhortation. And then he says, in Colossians chapter 1, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That means to be complete to finish the job. You see, the Lord began a good work in you. He will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. Some of you like to build things. You like to take on projects. Maybe you've driven across the landscape, the countryside, and you can see a beautiful, beautiful lot and a house that somebody started to build, but it was left unfinished. And now you can see all that work has gone to waste. I want you to know that God does not start a work that he won't finish. And he wants to finish his work in you. And it is through the ministry of preaching, through the ministry of the word of God, that God does his work in you to finish the job and perfect every man. The Word of God says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, complete, mature, truly furnished unto all good works. What you and I need as men, women, husbands, fathers, wives and mothers, what we need as Christians, as employees and employers and citizens, as friends and neighbors, 
What we need is supplied to us through the ministry of the word. And we need the word. And may God help us to renew our commitment publicly as a church, privately as a believer, to the preaching of God's word. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.